If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today I'd like to introduce you to Jeremy Michaels. Jeremy is a fellow of the British Horse Society with training and he has trained a bit in dressage, show jumping and cross country and spends a lot of time now teaching competition riders up to advanced dressage, show jumping and cross country. He also trains a lot of BHS exam candidates and he's a chief assessor for the BHS. Jeremy, your favourite inspirational quote is never stop learning. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I certainly can. I mean, I, I feel that when you're working with horses, you learn something new every single day, whether it's from the horse themselves or from the rider that you're teaching. Mm -hmm. I also learn from BHS candidates, whatever level the exam. These people are actually quite specialist in different aspects of horsemanship and, and riding and training, even at the lower levels. And just, you know, when you chat to these people in the exam, they actually come up with some very interesting points, which I can take away and use at you know, another time. Mm. But, I mean, I think we will go to our graves not knowing anywhere near enough about sure. training and riding horses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Now, when you were coming up, because the BHX is system, you've come up through that system. And I know that you said that you'd learnt quite a lot from Molly Sivright. Can you remember when you first met her and um, how she inspired you? Yeah, I was 19. Mm -hmm. My parents very kindly allowed me to have a year off from school, between school and university. And they said, what did I want to do? And I was, I was started riding at 12, mm -hmm. and I was really keen on riding. And they said I could go on a short course at Talland, yes. near Sirencester, with Molly. And I went there on a three-month course. And my first time I met her was when I was walking down the yard on my first day carrying an umbrella because it was raining. <laughs> and she could not believe that somebody who was going to work with horses was actually <laughs> thinking they, they, they wanted to carry an umbrella rather than actually get wet on the yard. But anyway, things got a lot better from then on. And I just found her totally inspirational. She was a fantastic trainer and rider. And I learned a huge amount from her. And did you go back to university? I didn't. I, I was, had a place at Loughborough University to do uh, human science, um, mm. human biology, sorry. And that was it. I was hooked. From then on, I stayed at Talland and I was there for about four or five years in total, mm -hmm. doing pretty well all my, all, my ex, well, all my exams apart from the fellowship, which I did back in 1987. But yeah, I mean, I... I Kept in touch with her, of course, till she died, and she was a, an inspiration, yeah. All right. Now, you said you started lessons at 12. Tell me a little bit about then and your first experience with a horse. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it certainly wasn't a horse. It was a little scruffy grey pony. <laughs> but no, my mum used to hunt uh -huh. uh, when she was younger, and that was really the contact with horses, I suppose. And she said, would I, would I like to try riding? Mm-hmm. 
And at that time, when I was 10, 11, 12, a lot of boys weren't sort of, it wasn't a boy thing to do, actually, go riding. Mm-hmm. But it was primarily girls, which I absolutely loved because, you know, I was the only boy about 10 or 11 girls on the yard. Mm-hmm. So that was great fun. But no, being 12, I was a beginner. I had some little jodhpur boots and some corduroy trousers and borrowed hat. You know, typical ponies, frustrating because they would go to start with. But, you know, gradually got better and better. And the teachers I had actually were very good. I was very lucky to have some good good coaches and instructors. Mm-hmm. And it developed from there. I had, a, I suppose, a little bit of talent and feel for riding. And gradually people lent me horses and I managed to compete on their horses. And so it went on from there. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, you've been competing in dressage, show jumping and cross country. I noticed that you've got Rainer Klimke inspired you. Tell me a bit about that. Well, Rainer Klimke, I was lucky enough to go to the Horse of the Year show when it was at Wembley many, many years ago. And Rainer Klimke came over with Alaric, which is his top dressage horse then. Mm-hmm. And he did a parcel to live music to an orchestra. And it was just, um, even the, even all the show jumpers, you know, our sort of yes. top show jumpers, yes. Ed Edgar and the Whittakers and so on, had their d- jaws dropped because he was just unbelievable. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've always, his books have been superb, his videos are superb. I mean, he is a, he was, I know he's not with us anymore, mm. but, you know, he was a professional man and he fitted in the riding and the training between that and his profession. And just amazing. I loved his principles. I love his principles of training. Mm-hmm. And of course, that, that's come on through Ingrid and Michael Klimker as well. Mm-hmm. I think he was wonderful. Superb man. Okay. All right. Now, when you were 19, you first started at, at Talon, and you decided from then to go on and commence your career with horses. What do you think are the three core skills you need to commence a career with horses? You know, what, what would you say to a parent or to someone who's just starting? Yeah. As we know now, students have much more access to all areas of horsemanship, mm-hmm. through whether it's colleges or yards or racing yards, whatever. But the first of all, is you have to have a passion. You have to have a passion for horses, and you must not be afraid of hard work. Mm-hmm. You must have, I know you said three, but I can probably give you more. Oh, no, two. if you've got more, that's fine. Yep. But incredibly open mind. Yes. Yeah, you must want to learn and you must want to take on board what people say and not be afraid to make mistakes. You know, I've learned one thing, and certainly with my children too, you know, you mustn't be afraid to make mistakes. That's the, one of the best ways to learn. Yep. And yeah, just enjoy it, dedication, hard work, commitment, and not be afraid to make mistakes. And remember that you probably won't make a lot of money to start with. Um, but as long as you can live and mm. survive, that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. And I was very lucky. My, my parents, as I said, uh, supported me through my first three months. And then I started working at Talent and got, got paid. Okay. But, um, you know, I think you've got to become as qualified as you can. My aim from the moment I started was to get my fellowship. You know, even that was even before my then VHSAR, the first of the okay. qualification. Okay. So that was my aim. And was that Molly that inspired you there? I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, I knew that I wanted to go as far as I possibly could because yes. I didn't want to stay at a certain level. I wanted to get better and better. Mm-hmm. There were only 50 fellows in the world then, and I wanted to be one of those elite people. How many are there there now? <laughs> I can't give you the exact amount, but it's mm. still around about 50 or just above 50. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I, I remember I was at the office, the main office there, and I remember looking on the wall going, oh, I've heard of them, I've heard of them. I didn't really know all of them, but yeah, there weren't very many. Yep. 
Yeah. No, that's right. But we're lucky, you know, Carl Hester's a fellow, mm-hmm. Chris Bartle is a fellow. Yes. You know, Owen Ferdy Eilberg, you know, we've got some really top class people, you mm-hmm. know, Breisner, et cetera, as fellows. And when we all get together, for example, we have a fellows annual course which is going to be at Carl Hester's yard this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's going to be fantastic because we're all going to be able to discuss and get together. Yes. And then we have a fellows and instructors course at Addington, mm-hmm. uh, which is a two-day two course. Chris Bartle and Christoph Hess, who are taking that. You know, we, we are very lucky. We have access to superb trainers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, you talked to me about the passion, hard work, having an open mind and being open to making mistakes to get started in the horse industry. What happens if someone says, yes, I want to go and be one of the 50 or so fellows in the world. I want to exceed. I want to excel within my, you know, if it's just with the riding as a coach, as an instructor, what additional skills or what are the keys to excelling in their career? Certainly inquiring mind. Yes. Ask questions. I think you have to, what I did, and I'm going to use myself as an example, I, on my days off, I didn't have a day off. I went and competed or I went to watch coaches teach. I sat and watched them teach. I went to competitions as well to actually watch the coaches work in the riders. Mm -hmm. I asked questions. I looked interested and became involved. And with Talland, I, a lot of the students there used to sit at lunchtime and watch Neighbours on television. <laughs> I used to go and watch Molly ride her horses. Mm-hmm. And she would say to me, she'd say, Jeremy, would you like to warm my horse down? So I'd sit on him and just let him stretch and mm-hmm. relax mm-hmm. and cool off. Yep. And then she goes to ask me questions and so on and so on. And it, it sort of went from there. You've got to be interested and keen And I think people will then show an interest in you, and that's one way of starting to sort of get your foot on on the ladder. Mm -hmm. But as I said, there are loads of different areas in the courses now, as you know. Mm. And, you know, whether it's racing, polo, eventing, dressage, you know, you can have apprenticeships, and that's another way into actually working in that specific discipline if you're interested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, we've talked about people who have influenced you and helped you learn more about horses. What about a horse or horses that have influenced you? Looking back again at the Talon days, I always remember they used to have a beautiful grey horse called Ripalong, and he was brilliant at dressage to advanced level. He could also event, and he was brilliant with the Sivrite Children Pony Club eventing. Mm -hmm. And I remember Pammy, who asked me, would I sit on him and just would like to ride him? Mm. I couldn't even get him anywhere near on the bit. (laughs) And my aim was to work, I was going to be good enough to actually Mm. get Rip along working correctly. Mm -hmm. Because Pammy could get on and he'd take up a contact and he'd be there. Yes. But it would would just inspire me. I thought, I'm I'm going to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So that would be my first sort of inspiration. Mm. But looking at Horses and riders like Michael Young, every horse he rides, eventing, I mean, the man is an absolute genius mm, on a horse. Mm. And, you know, it's not specific horses as such. It's it's the way they're ridden and their their riders and their trainers that really inspire me more than just sort of a specific horse. But Vallegro has to be up there. I mean, Vallegro mm. is the, probably the nicest or the most superbly trained and correct dressage horse we will see. Yes. I will see in my yes. lifetime anyway. Yep. 
And we're very lucky because he's just down the road from where I live. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Now, having, you know, going through the exams and being in charge of horses, you would have at some stage been in charge of yards, large yards, and had staff working under you. Yes. Leadership. What sort of leadership skills do you think you need um, in a yard? Not just to work with people, but, you know, people being people. Sometimes it's a bit tricky. Sometimes we need additional skills. What sort of skills or what sort of leadership style did you tend to use within that period? Yeah, because I suppose I'm a very practical person, Mm. even though I do lecturing at at the college and so on, but Mm. I'm a very practical person. I like to work with my team, mm-hmm. try and inspire them and show them that I've never asked them to do something I wouldn't be happy to do myself. Mm-hmm. There are times, of course, when I have to step back and they have to do the work, but I like to try and work with them. I try and get respect from them yes. by setting a good example. That, to me, is very important. Communication is critical, too, mm-hmm. because you know, you've got to have both lines open from them to me and me to them. Mm. so that they are totally informed as to what's going on and why we're doing things and when we're doing things. But I think, you know, the respect, trying to inspire them, setting a good standard, whether it's dress, punctuality, sense of humour, and being fair, you've got to be fair to them. And one thing I've always found when I'm I'm working with uh, managing people is the appraisal system is really important Mm -hmm. because... It's a two-way thing, and they, I can sit down with them and talk about how they're doing, and they can tell me how they think I'm doing, mm-hmm. and that's, that's very important too. Okay. All right. So with your lifetime of horses, mm. what's been your proudest moment? Well, I would say, first of all, passing my fellowship. Mm-hmm. That has to be up there. But I think competitively, my parents seeing me qualify for the Horse of the Year show mm-hmm. uh, in the Spillers final back in 1987, that was. Mm-hmm. That was fabulous, riding at Wembley at the Horse of the Year show. Okay. So I would say that the fellowship and, and the, that would be my two proudest moments. All right. Now, people listening are going to have horses, want to improve their riding, their horses. Mm. What's some tips or a training tip that you can give them to improve their riding skills to something they can do with their horse, something they can work on? Okay. Now, as I'm sure you appreciate, it, it depends on on the level of the horse the rider. And I'm not going to go through every scenario because I could be here for three hours talking <laughs> about that. We could come back but again. But I, I think mm. the first thing I always ask my riders is what do you hope to get from this lesson or session? Mm-hmm. Because everybody comes to a lesson with an aim. Yes. Why are they there? Yeah. So I like to find that out. And what I also do is I like to set a goal or maybe two or three little goals in that lesson Mm -hmm. and it could be something simple like I know something very simple like achieving the rising trot or checking the correct diagonal Mm -hmm. or cantering on the correct lead yeah or it could be doing a canter pirouette Mm -hmm. you know so it just depends on on that aim but they they they, but sometimes I have to change the aim Mm. so they might say to me look at the end of this lesson I want to do this and this I watch them work in, I assess them, we discuss how they're riding, and then we negotiate a slight change <laughs> in yes. the aim and the focus yes. to actually achieve something more as a foundation for the future. Mm-hmm. So I'm very keen on getting the foundations right. I think the rider's position is critical mm-hmm. because if they can't sit correctly or more correctly, 
they can't influence the horse properly and the horse can't move well underneath them. I like riders to understand that the horse is a living, breathing creature with feelings and its welfare is critical as well, whether it's from their riding or the use of their equipment or the fit of their saddle. And I like to give them homework as well. So at the end of the session, I will say, okay, I'm going to see you in a week or 10 days, let's say. I want you to practice on this, this and this. So it gives them something to take away from the lesson as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Look, that's very informative, I think, for the listeners. A book. Have you got a book that you'd recommend? Do you know, my favourite book, and it's mm-hmm. always, it's probably more of a dressage than a jumping, is Complete Training of Horse and Rider by Alonis Podowski. Yes. He used to be a chief rider at the Spanish Riding School. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these books are timeless. And his principles, his training principles of welfare and just correct basic training will hold good for hundreds of years. A bit like going back to Xenophon. Yes. Xenophon, if you read his book, it is a brilliant training principle. Mm, Brilliant, mm, brilliant mm. training principles. And those sort of people are inspirational too. I think both those books are ones that, as you say, you can read when you're first training, maybe when you're first starting to become an instructor or to do your AI. But then you can go back and read them again and go back again. Yeah. 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 There's always something. Whatever level you get to, you will get something from those sort of books, certainly. Mm -hmm. And as you know, there are loads of training manuals, whether it's dressage, show jumping, eventing, exams. And you will pick up information, of course, from those. But it's these inspirational trainers and riders that really and have been there and done it. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that really inspire me, yeah. Yes. All right. Now, moving on, what does your future hold? What are you looking forward to? Apart from retirement, no. <laughs> what am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to, I, I'm very lucky at the moment where, where I work. We have students who bring their own horses and a lot of these students are competing, and they're very keen. They want lessons, so I'm I'm loving teaching them at the moment. Mm-hmm. I want that to continue as long as possible. I enjoy traveling, as in I mentioned that I do go to China to teach, mm-hmm. and I enjoy going there to work with them and improve the welfare of the horse and their coaching and their riding. And I just want to keep uh, physically, as long as I can keep going and riding and teaching and helping people, that's what I enjoy doing. That's mm-hmm. what I will keep doing. So you have to prop me in the corner and say enough. <laughs> All right, then. Now, can you sum up your philosophy today in a lesson? Just something that our yeah. listeners can go away with and go, right, I learned that in today's podcast. Yeah. I think there, there are many roads that lead to Rome but some people don't go down any of them. <laughs> and that, for me, was another Molly Sivright quote, which has always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And I think that is important for people who are training and learning to ride because there is not just one way of doing something. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with me as a coach. There's not just one way of saying something. And the more experienced you get, the more you listen to other people and, and keep an open mind the more you learn that if I say to you, keep your heel down and keep your toes up, mm. there are different ways of putting that. You could say to somebody, right, heel down, that works for them. Or you could just say, keep your toes up, mm-hmm. that might work for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are different ways of saying it. And mm. I think as a, as a coach, you need to be able to explore different ways that work for that person. And, and I think 
the other the other thing I, I think is critical too when I'm teaching is that keeping that line of communication open mm-hmm. so that it's a two-way street. I can talk to the pupil and the pupil can talk to me. Mm-hmm. And then I feel and find out exactly what they're thinking and feeling on that horse. And that can help me improve them. Yes. All right. Today has been just very good. I think very informative to our listeners. You've given us a lot of just tips, training tips, things to think about. Um, how can people contact you? Email is the best. Mm-hmm. Jeremy.michaels at hotmail.co.uk because I, I usually check that more than I would in my phone. Phone I check sometimes because I'm teaching a lot. I don't keep on me because I, don't, I, I want to concentrate on my riders. I don't mm-hmm. like coaches who are constantly checking their phones. That to me is disrespectful to the, to the pupil. Mm-hmm. So I never have my phone when I'm teaching. So email is the best. All right. Thanks very much, Jeremy. And we'll put those notes on the show notes page at uh, horsechats.com. Thank you. Thank you very much then. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.